Hello and welcome to Euroballs in partnership with Ladbrooks here on Balls.ie where we will bring you through Euro 2020, which is just a day away. Our new show all the way through the Euros uh, in association, as I said, with Ladbrooks and Get on to Ladbrokes because they are giving you a one euro five aside bet this Friday as the uh, for the opening game of the Euros. Uh, and do check out ladbrokes.com from 10 a.m. each match day for other great offers as well. Now, delighted to say uh, the two people who are going to be bringing us through our Euro 2020 campaign here on the show. Uh, first, as we always have, Ladbrokes ambassador regular uh, with us here on the site, uh, former Republic of Ireland international Kevin Doyle. And delighted to be said that joining him will be Aston Villa legend and uh, England international Gabby Agbonlahor. Lads, thanks so much for uh, being with us tonight. Um, Gabby, it's really, really good to talk to you. Um, we'll obviously get into everything in Euro 2020, a year late, so on and so forth, and we'll get into all the, the nuts and bolts. But the Euros, even just looking through the teams today of who's going to be in it, and it's just like, it's always such an amazing clash of all the big teams all playing each other, you know, and it's always a great tournament to watch. I think a lot of us will think back to kind of Euro 2000 as being this, like, the perfect football tournament, you know. I don't know, for you, you were, I think you were about 10 years old for Euro 96 in England. That's a that's a very formative time in a football fan's life. Is that the, is that the one that you go back to most? Yeah, 100%. I think that's the big one, especially the incident um, when Paul Gascoigne scored against Scotland and the celebrations. I remember watching it with my um, two brothers and sister. So that was a big one for me. And I mean, every England fan seems to go back to Euro 96, just the atmosphere, um, the, the matches at Wembley as well. So it was a, um, a big one to remember. And I think every England fan just hoping that this year they can go um a couple steps further yeah absolutely actually that that's uh we had a site a, a piece on the site there this week which probably isn't very fair about how england have been a, a little bit calamitous at times in the euros but euro 96 was the one where they did perform and i was watching the game uh a couple of days ago and i mean just avoiding real work i suppose and not only did Gaza have that miss in extra time where he was just an inch away, he actually touched the ball and it would have been a goal. Darren Anderson hit the post as well a couple of minutes before, and people forget that. It's like England dominated that game and were so, so unlucky to not win that tournament in general. Yeah, and I think if you look back at tournaments since then, you know, um, sometimes England have underperformed, sometimes they have been unlucky, but I think every England fan just wants to, you know, win the Euros or the World Cup. And if you look at the squad that they've got now, for me, this is the best squad that I've seen an England team have. I mean, I've been lucky enough to be in squads with, um, you know, the Ferdinands, Terrys, Lampards, Gerrards. But for me, this squad is is outstanding. And um, maybe apart from centre-back, you look at everywhere else in the team, and it's a very, very strong squad. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to England in a second. Kevin, I don't know about you. You might have been a little bit too young to remember our formative uh, European Championships, which is Euro 88. Um, I certainly don't really have full memories of it. I presume you don't either. I don't know. It might have been your I, for you too, was it? I must be a couple of years. Not that it looks at me, but I might be a couple of years older than you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was seven turning eight, and I do remember it because I remember trying to be Ronnie Whelan um, doing a sideways shin volley from 30 yards against um, it was the USSR then. Yeah. Russia, USSR. And that was my, that's my first memory of watching Ireland and football, going out on the lawn, trying to recreate that, recreate that. Me and my brother probably spent, you know, what seems like hours all day trying to recreate it, probably 20 minutes. But um, yeah, that's my first memory. That was a 
Ireland's first major tournament. Um, didn't Ray Houghton score against England? That isn't in my head. I don't remember that clearly, but um, I do remember Ronnie Whelan's volley. I'm just trying to recreate that. Trying to recreate my left foot as well, right foot, but trying to do it exactly as Ronnie Whelan did it. My brother took the throwing, and I was going to do the volley. So um, they're, they're like, it's, it's moments like I was talking about England. That, that's what sparks a young person's, uh, you know, start of everything. Um, I, think, I think as well. Yeah. Kevin, I think for me as well, it's certain songs as well. You know, Euro yeah. 96, you, you remember the songs that... Yeah, yeah. England had some good ones there. Yeah, every tournament, they keep playing them. The, it's Vin, yeah. One of them stands out for me is Vindaloo. Like, little songs that, yeah. you know, during tournaments, I mean, this next month, I'm sure England fans will be playing that loud whenever England get a, um, a result or a goal. So, yeah, it's, uh, it brings back um, big memories. Yeah. I don't know if it was that tournament. Did Ireland have put them under pressure and a Snickers ad? Sponsoring, you get Snickers into the sponsor. Mars, I think it was. And Mars, Dad, was it? Mars, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, like, I've seen it recently back. At the time, it seemed unreal. Looking back recently, it looks pretty quickly put together. But that stuff like that, yeah, they're my memories um, of a childhood and, and, and playing football. And um, yeah, the, for me, anyway, that's what sparked my love of soccer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when, when your country isn't involved, as Ireland aren't this as well, it is this sort of this it's the football on all day as uh me and Gabby were talking about earlier but it's funny that Gabby mentioned the songs and stuff there because you're thinking of there it is so much more than the games and the euros that you played in Kevin which is like a, an amazing thing to have it wasn't Ireland's greatest you know month of all time but one of the memories that a lot of us have is that you guys were based in Poznan I know it was a two country championships but Ireland were in Poland you guys were in Poznan in the center of the town party atmosphere full-on mm -hmm. carnival and that is one of the things that goes with these championships as well is like there are you know there's an england place where everybody's based there's a scotland place there's an ireland place so on and so forth and it's the fans just have it's the summer of their lives that they've waited for their whole lives and this euros doesn't have a home and even if it did people can't travel and people can't go now we're so happy to have it after the year that's gone but it's going to make a huge difference isn't it that it just is lacking I don't mean to be negative because I can't wait for it, but it is just, it's a weird choice, I think, to put it, to not give the tournament a home. Yeah, yeah. It seemed, you know what, initially it seemed a great idea, didn't it? You know what, it was first, don't uh, four or five, whenever it was, six years ago, I think yeah, that's a good idea, spread it out. As it's got closer, um, you start to see the negatives and why it wouldn't be a good idea. That time in Poland, I know my friends were there, had the, you know, basically a stag do for, for 10 days and at the time of our lives while we were holed up in the hotel looking off the balcony looking at them um but yeah listen i don't have great memories of that but you know still still a good to be involved in a good good time you could see the fun everyone was having and the support we we're getting was unbelievable people really get together and go and you know from ireland anyway same with england fans travel everywhere and irish fans travel and you get a center and you get an atmosphere and the, that's obviously not going to be the case now listen right. we, this is one of us maybe it'll be you know, we would be talking about how it's actually worked out quite successful, but looking at it from that point of view, you think, um, yeah, it's definitely taken something from it. Well, surely, surely, Kevin, you know, when you was at that tournament, when you're seeing videos of, I mean, wherever I go in the world, there's Irish people, there's loads everywhere in the world. So um, just seeing the videos of everyone celebrating must have been amazing, you know, because when there's a tournament, it's like a party time, isn't it? Even forget the result. It's a party time for everyone that's Irish when Ireland are playing a tournament, isn't it? Yeah, we were probably lucky in a sense. Um, it was Irish fans. We're Ireland. We didn't have a good tournament, but our fans were still singing us off the pitch after our last game. We'd been knocked yeah. out. 
there was like um, it was still celebrating in the city. You swear we you know won the games and we're going into the next <laughs> They still treated it like a great party. Great people could drive out as well. I suppose it's a great thing with the Euros. In most cases, you can drive. People can make a big adventure nearly of it. A lot of people drove out to Poland. Um, so yeah, I, I see it all. My brother was there to say I was getting the videos and the WhatsApps, and I'm we're like obviously fairly depressed. Um, you know, we beat by Croatia in the first game, beat by Italy in the second game, beat by Spain, third game. And, you know, the last thing I want to see is them having all the fun in the world. But uh, <laughs> looking back at it now, yeah. Great. And people still talk to me about that. Come up to me and listen to tournaments. We, what time we had in Poland. Yeah, um, yeah, that's not going to be the case now. Um, and we're obviously, we were going to host a game, host a few games, and we're not. We've turned that down. So um, I'm sure you'll be supporting England. I've, I have, you know, notes. Mick sent me the notes what we're talking about, and I've just left England blank on my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll let you we'll let you concentrate on that, Gabby. <laughs> if the tournament was to have a home, though, if it's going to be known as from anywhere where it is going to be England, because it's the semi-finals, the finals, other or the final, other games, obviously, all the way through, and you know, it does feel a little bit set up for them. You mentioned the best squad, Gabby, that they've ever had. I know I've heard you talk as well before is that when you went into England camp around 2010, 2011, 2012, there was clicks in there. There was big names and there was kind of uh, guys who might not have been quite at that level, at least um, in their head. And, you know, United players stayed together, Liverpool players stayed together. And by all accounts, this squad is not like that. And in fairness, like Gareth Southgate um, just seems like he was the perfect man at the perfect time, as well as these players and it being almost a... A very different kind of group of guys, it seems to me, not even the footballers. Yeah, but I think it's all changed now with social media. You know, all these players are following each other. They're commenting on each other's um, posts. They're all friends. There's no real real rivals or rivalry between Liverpool, Man United, so and Chelsea, Spurs, really between the players. And they're all friends. No one's bigger than another player. Ben White has come into the squad, and I'm sure he'll be treated like Harry Kane by players, you know, so there'll be no clicks. I spoke to players in the squad. They said that everyone just gets on so well. And that's really important, I think, um, in a tournament. And like he says, with a semi-final and a final at Wembley, I mean, what better place, you know, to um, win the competition? I mean, I wouldn't want to be in London if England do win it because it'll be absolute carnage. One of the things that you mentioned about the the, the no clicks and stuff it does seem like there's a there's a real togetherness in the squad and it's come out in recent uh days and weeks i suppose and since some of the the stuff that we've seen in in, in the couple of warm-up games with the players taking the knee and everything like that and like the irish players um witnessed it last night in hungary kevin you were doing the game on um on rt and, and it was it was a lot worse but when it's your home fans and when it is your own fans it's a very strange thing for a team to have to um, listen to before a game, and they're going to continue to do it. And rightly so, they're going like that's what they believe in, and that's what they want to stand up for. But it immediately puts this weird kind of chasm between fans. It's a strange situation for them to be going into. But do you think it's a strength for them in that? This is bringing them together more than anything else possibly could. Yeah, I think, you know, when the players are going to keep doing it because they want to keep together. But I've heard about people that have been in the games at um, Middlesbrough Stadium. Some of the people that have been booing are just, some of them are, are drunken, like teenagers who find it funny to boo it just so they might get, you know, noticed and they might end up getting them um, camera doing it. But I'm just hoping that England fans, if they are against it, 
you know, just don't do anything. You don't have to do it. Um, you, you just don't um, need to do that. And these are the players that you're going to want to go on and put their body on the line to win a tournament, put their body on the line when they're injured to carry on playing. So it just doesn't make sense for me to be booing when you're going to want some of these players to um, go and get you a result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kevin, we obviously saw it last night and it was in a very different way when it's a kind of the opposition and it's a lot easier to kind of have a hard yeah. stance on it when it's another country doing it and not your own people. But it's not an easy thing for, for players to have to do. The Irish players you know, last night sort of like kneeling in the stadium on their own for 20 odd seconds of like abuse really from, yeah. from the fans. It's like it's such a weird situation that we find ourselves in. But at the same time, like if you were a player these days like there is something to be said for I, I don't know if they're getting enough credit for the fact that they are standing up to this you know I like I like uh, Gabby makes a good point there about you know what it's like the majority of fans are not booing but when there's a when you know what it's like and there's teenagers in there dragging each other on and have a boo and it's they're in a stadium they've had a few drinks and it's a bit of crack and they're not they don't care about what the significance is or the reasons for they're not thinking like they're at a match and they're just you know so Sometimes by us even talking about it, and if you have to talk about it, but by amplifying it, it's more fun for them in a perverse way to boo and more to get noticed than on TV or in the paper or having fun with their friends yeah. in each other on. So, like, we maybe make too much of it. The majority of people are very respectful at games and aren't like that. And it's just, you know, some people treat a game as a way to go out and just, you know, if the other team were like in Hungary tonight, Hungary didn't do it. But if Hungary were taking the knee and Ireland were taking the knee, I'd imagine the home fans would have been a lot less of them booing. But because Hungary were standing up and Ireland were taking the knee, it was just a way of fans booing, you know, an opposing team, you know, amplifying what was what was meant to be, um, you know, a very worthwhile cause and a, and a team, a team Ireland didn't decide to do it again as players together. And there's nothing wrong with that. They can do what they want. But, you know, it's, it's just fans being fans and being tribal not in all okay obviously there's some total headcase out there who would be booing for the wrong reasons but a lot of it is i think anyway you know our team isn't kneeling in hungary's case so ireland are let's boom you know and um, yeah. we have to take some of that into account and not just run with all the football fans this is a disgrace and you know ban everyone from the stadium or whatever just you have to take everything um everything you know i don't know what the way i'm trying to talk about you have to look into it a lot deeper than that and realize some of it is just Kids. I think as well, though, Kevin. You know, what once the the nearly finished and the, the the whistle goal goes, the players are so professional. You know, what I mean, it's going to be concentrating on the game. The fact that some fans are booed, you'll put that aside, and you know you've got a game to win. You know yeah. that, like, hopefully the majority of the fans are are you know um, with you, and you know that a lot of the fans all around the world are with you as well so i'm sure the players yeah. are mature and put it to one side and go out there and play the game like, mm -hmm. like they did in um, the last two games i don't think it affects them at all no, no. england players been banned by booed by their own fans for that it's not you know you can distinguish between being booed for playing like crap or been booed yeah. for, and you know you know like national anthem things like that before game i never even realized the national anthem was on i might be standing there mouthing away you know i'm so focused on who mark the corners what am i doing what am i meant to be doing here there, everywhere. i'm not listening to what's going on in the crowd or isn't happening like that yet yeah. you're so tuned in so they might be taking the knee but they might not realize what's going on in the, in the back the, the amount of the amount of information we have to take on board for set pieces yeah. i'm with you i'm like yeah i've got the throw in for that free yeah. kick corner 
I've got another hey, hey, on, my, on my wrist in the yeah. end. Your mind's going, your mind's going all over the place, isn't it? Yeah. So you just something on your head before a game that you're just not concentrating on, on the stuff in the background. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, on a, I was going to say a more positive note, but I thought this is actually a slightly negative question about England, but it isn't. It's like I do, I, I look at it through all the teams, and I'm thinking of what's dangerous about them, what their systems are, so on and so forth. And one thing that comes through with England is I don't know who they're going to play in the attacking, um, and nobody does. And that's what it's amazing that they have this collection of players. I don't think we've they've ever had such a strength and depth. I don't know if you've ever gone into a tournament where you could say there's a possibility that Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling are going to sit on the bench here. You know, it might not happen. It might. Is there any chance that that's a negative, Gabby? You know what I mean? If you if you're Portugal and you have you know you know exactly who your front five is going to be every game barring injury yeah. uh you know and 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 they're all very very good players but there's nobody else really below that whereas England is like oh god you'd be tearing your hair out going oh Jesus I should have brought I, why didn't I play Greenish I should have brought I should have played Greenish I think, I think the problem Southgate's got is whatever team he plays if he doesn't get a result everyone's going to say he should have played the other three if he plays Sterling Rashford and Kane and we draw against Croatia, everyone will be saying you should have started Kane, Foden and Grealish, or you should have started Sancho, um, Mount and Grealish. So I think he's in a bit of a lose-lose situation unless he gets the result in the first game, go south game. But I think it's um I think it can be a problem because you look at other teams, especially the teams that I've been in and the England squads in the past, you knew who was playing. It was Gerard Lampard, it was Rooney Owen. You know, there was no one, there wasn't really players that were close enough to take their position. They only mm. played if there was injuries. Now, you could probably name two England 11s and they'll both probably be a draw if they played each other. They're, they're, they're both that good. So maybe it can be a problem for Southgate. And I mean, I'd hate to be in his position to choose that first 11 for the first game. What do you think, Kevin? Um, yeah, do you know what England are? I know, don't know if it's all just paper or whatever, or but they do see as we were speaking here, they seem very together. They seem a group if, if one player plays, whatever, which is more important than what the press say, whatever, that they're supporting each other, that there's no one moping and moaning around the place. It's 26 man squad now, isn't it? Not 23. Yeah, I found out with Ireland at the Euros, you know, you nearly knew your team, and the lads who knew they weren't playing, it was hard to keep them switched on and not be, you know, nearly distracting and, and moping around. And the lads who weren't playing or thought they weren't going to play and they're together, you're together for six weeks. Um, you know, if it's a fairly settled certain team, how do you keep those lads who aren't involved happy? How do you keep a 26-man squad? A lot of players who aren't going to start. Whereas with England, you know, as I said, you could play either team. You don't know who's going to start. We're looking at that and you think, yeah, you could do this, that or the other. So the players would be all on their toes, realise I could be playing in any game here. So I have to keep focused. I have to keep supporting. I have to keep on the manager's side um, because I could get my chance at any time. Uh, it's that close between all the players in the squad. Unlike Portugal, who will have a lot of lads who realise they're only there for the journey. If someone gets injured, I might get game otherwise I won't see them. Yeah. There's one other aspect on England, though, that, that it's an interesting one. It's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a consequence of the extra year, I suppose, in that it's a new, it's, it's a much newer team than you would be expecting. Normally, you have a qualification team. Maybe there's a bolter or two, Gabby. But in this case, you've got Jude Bellingham's coming in. More and more, everybody's thinking this guy's going to have a huge part to play in the tournament. This 17-year-old, you wouldn't have even ever heard of him by the time the qualification started for this. Like, you know, yeah. um, you've got Jack Grealish, your old teammate at Villa, um, who is like, you know, just he's gone from he's not Southgate doesn't trust him. He's not that kind of player to thinking 
he's going to start. You know, he's been given one of the 1-11 to numbers, if that means anything. But, uh, you know, man of the match in the last game. He got a few other guys as well, like even someone like Luke Shaw coming back into form. You know, he yeah. would have been thought of all across the field, really. It is strange that this is a, a, a team that's coming in as the second favourites for the tournament, thinking this might be a year. But a lot of them don't have very many caps. And it is it does feel like it's a newish team. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it can work the other way as well. There's, meant, there's probably a lot of players that would have went to the tournament last summer, but mm. um, I probably missed out now because this new crop of players have come through, like Saka, like you said there, Bellingham, Jack, Luke Shaw's got better, um, oh. Calvin, Calvin Phillips has come in. So, yeah, it is it is strange, but it just shows that it doesn't matter about how many caps you've got. It matters how good of a player you are. And that's the big thing for me with some of the um, players that are in this squad now. And you look at the team, then, like Kevin says, there's just so many players you can choose out of. And that's why this team will be together, because they know if the first game, Croatia winning 1-0 after 60 minutes, you know there could be three subs on on 60 minutes. And then the next game after that against Scotland, you could be starting. So there's no... David Beckham's in his teams. There's no Lampards, Gerrards, Ferdinand, Terry's, you know, everyone's on a similar um, wavelength. Yeah. Go through the groups in a minute, but this group is, uh, Group D, is uh, such a Euro 96 vibe to it. It's unbelievable because you have England playing Scotland again. Yeah, Czech Republic <laughs> got to the final of that tournament and Croatia who had their breakout tournament uh, with Davar Suker, uh, you know, all those years ago. But um, Scotland, lads, uh, Kevin, I, there's a part of me, Scotland are 250 to 1 to win the tournament on that book. So I don't think they're going to win the tournament, but that's one of the, like, rank outsiders. There's a part yeah. of me thinks they're underrated. I know they're probably... You know, I disagree with you, mate. <laughs> I don't think they're underrated. Do you not think so? A little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, they've got, um, just even just in terms of like international players, they've got, you know, four or five players that you would consider, that you would put into an awful lot of teams, especially uh, Tierney Robertson. And then you've got like, like John McGinn, um, uh, McTominay. They've got decent players, you know. I know they're probably carrying a couple, but, I, I'm just wondering if you think that they're they, they have the ability in them to cause a little bit of trouble. Uh, like you never know. Of course, anything can happen, but I don't think they'll get out of the group. To be honest with you, um, I was having this argument with someone yesterday before about Scotland squad and Ireland squad. See, we're not they're, they're, they're a stronger squad in us, but difference in players. And I picked out. I think I picked out Andy Robertson, Tierney, Scott McTominay, and maybe someone else. I can't remember who else. But there was only three or four players between Ireland squad and Scotland squad. Now I might be slightly biased, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just don't think they're enough there um, throughout the team and the squad, to be honest with you. That's a strong group as well. Um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, 250 to 1 is about right, I'd say. But listen, prove prove the bookies wrong, prove us wrong. Um, that's what they'll be going to have to do. I'm sure they have a lot of togetherness as a squad. And that can bring a, lot of, a long way, a lot of team spirit, as you'd imagine Scotland would have, a bit like Ireland. So I think it's only their second tournament. Am I right? Is this their second, third? They haven't been. They haven't been to any tournament since the World Cup in 1998, 2023. Right. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah. it's it's it, it, for that alone. It's amazing that they got there. I think I think I think with Scotland that their key players are going to have to turn up and have worldy games. The likes of Robert Santini, McGinn has got a, he's got to be on form, which he can do. Matt Tominy's got to be on form as well. Che Adams for me, he can score goals as well. So. If all they all these players that have got the stars of their team can be on their game 100%, then 
I think they could give Czech Republic and Croatia um, a decent game. I think England will beat them. But if I'm in that Scotland squad, I'm not going to this tournament um, thinking to myself, I'm not going to qualify at the group because I think if they can turn up them players, they can give Croatia and Czech Republic a great game and every chance to qualify for me. There you go. Um, three teams will qualify from most of the groups. But um, I, I, let's let's go through. I want to talk about some of the other contenders, but let's go through the groups um, as we do. Um, people will see the odds on the screen there, but uh, for, for the odds to win the tournament for these teams. But Group A, this is a Friday night's game, uh, Italy and Turkey, which we all can't wait for. There's nothing like the opening of a tournament. But Italy, Switzerland, uh, who we know uh, very well from our qualifying campaign, uh, Kevin, Turkey and Wales, who we haven't talked about at all as well. So Wales. Yeah. Like for Wales, I think lads, it, it's not quite like where it was a couple of years ago, and they're probably no. in, in in Scotland's position where they still have the the few good players. But I think it's 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 great that they've qualified, but I can't see them repeating what they did for five five years ago as it was in uh, in Euro twenty sixteen. No, I agree with you there. I think again, tough to get out of this group. Um... Turkey are going to be decent as well. They had a good qualifying campaign. You'd imagine Italy would get through. Switzerland were all right in our group. Obviously, listen, way better than us in the top of the group. But um, yeah, listen, it's it's. I can't see Wales getting there. I went through their squad as well, and a bit like Scotland. Um, centre forwards like Scotland. Scotland were only, only had three three named centre forwards in the twenty six man squad, and you know relying a lot on Shea Adams. Um, Wales have lost a good lot of players since that. You know, when their golden era, I suppose. Um, Garrett Bale, in fairness, showed a fair bit of sparks of former form coming near the end of the season. You're going to realize so much on him. We played, we seem to play Wales every second week there a few years ago, and he was the difference between us and them nearly every game. You know, he'd be quiet and he'd just decide to do something and he couldn't stop him. And he'd real game changer. And without him, um, and they haven't really had him the last few years without him. Um, they're not the same team. If he turns up, though, you know, transfer-wise, looking for a move, maybe look to show a bit of form and said maybe he'll be fit and, and want to put on a show. If he decides he wants to put on a show, he has the ability to do it and drag them through the group stage. Yeah. Gabby, do you think they, they have a chance to qualify? I don't think so. Um, I'll just look at that group. You know, Turkey, they're a decent side. Italy are playing some good football now, you know, with Jorginho in the middle. Um, I just think that Wales... They've got good players, you know. You look at um, Gareth Bale. You, you, um, you look at some of the other players that have got. Um, but for me, defensively, I look at Wales, and you know, when they had that golden era, they had like Ashley Williams back there. James Collins played some games. James Chester. But the Neil Taylor. Don't forget these players. Um, I just think defensively, um, it might cost them. So I don't see them getting out of the group. But I can see some worldy goals from Gareth Bale. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, if, so if he gets a couple of worldly goals, they'll, they'll get out of the group, hopefully. But Group B is, uh, I don't know how interesting it is, because we all think that Belgium are going to walk it, but we've seen enough of Denmark over the last few years to know that they're dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Finland would be a bit of a rivalry there, you'd imagine. And Russia, who we kind of don't know what to expect from, from one tournament to the other. Belgium are third favourites to win the tournament, 13-2. to two. You've got uh, Lukaku, second favourite for top goal scorer on Ladbrokes, 13-2. to two. You've got De Bruyne, second favourite for player of the tournament on Ladbrokes at 9-1. to one. A lot of people are expecting a lot of Belgium. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier in terms of they're a team that know their best team, but 
you still think even though De Bruyne has taken over as the main man on that and you know we hear he's going to be fit despite his unfortunate broken face that he got in the Champions League <laughs> but um they also do need Eden Hazard to come back to some kind of form don't they I mean it's not going to be enough of the just De Bruyne and Lukaku and the elements and these guys Gabby yeah I look at Belgium um outstanding team but they need Hazard, like you said. They need Hazard on top of his game because if I'm playing against Belgium, I'm trying my hardest to mark, put someone on Kevin De Bruyne, maybe even double up, stop him playing with um, Lukaku. But Belgium, for me, defensively, they're not as good as they used to be as well. Vertonghen, Vermeulen, you know, um, Alderweireld from Spurs, they're not as good as they used to be. So, for me, I don't see Belgium um, winning it at all. I think England and France and Portugal... Um, are a lot stronger. Yeah, I don't know what you think, Kevin. I was kind of, I kind of feel the same. I kind of feel like that they might have slightly missed their moment. They might have yeah. three of the best players, but I don't know if they've got as good a one to eleven as a lot of the no. a lot of the other top teams. I think Hazard is the one for me. If he turns up again, a bit like Gareth Bale, um, he's had so many injuries at Real. It's been a disaster. Um, but I just saw, like, I'm looking. I'm always looking. I just saw he was training the other day. Which, maybe a week ago, and I saw him. And it's the first time I've actually seen him looking fit. He looked trim. I don't know. Whatever about the kid at Real Madrid, he looked overweight since he's been there for me. And I was just seeing him train with Belgium. I thought, geez, it's like he's on hazard again. Um, so maybe, maybe he's just trying to get himself right for this tournament. I imagine, or they'll try, by the talks, they'll try to offload him if they can. Um, he'll be looking, you know, he's a big player. He's a world-class player on his day. So um, he'll be looking to have a really good tournament. Lukaku would rely a lot on him and De Bruyne. Lukaku had a fantastic season um, at Inter. Again, talks of him going um, looking to get transferred maybe back to England. Um, so you know, reasons for him to try have a fantastic tournament. Don't you look at Don't you look at like Kevin like a France though? If you name their once the eleven, it's it's outrageous, isn't it? Yeah. And you look you look at Belgium and you probably name like four or five, can't you? So that's probably the difference between them two for me. Yeah, I know, but they're still number one in the world, aren't they? They've got their group and finished first in their group. You know, that Martinez talks about how well organized and how much team spirit and, and how you know he's got them playing. Again, for him, he's sort of you know unproven at that sort of um you know, winning something, to be honest with you. And um so it's a big, big tone for him. I don't know. I just I like them. I like their attacking players. It's easy to list off their attacking players. I'm, I'm, <laughs> we're centre forwards, Gabby. Come on. We <laughs> Imagine Hazard, De Bruyne, Lukaku turn up and have really. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, whatever about Belgium's offence, it'd be hard to stop if those three play well. Yeah, we think they'll top the group, I presume, although they've got three teams in there in Denmark, Finland, and Russia who'll, I think, make it dour for them, you know, in a way. Um, who do you see getting out of it with them? Finland in their first ever tournament, of course. I have Denmark down. Um, I have Denmark or Russia to finish second. Um, I don't know. Just we uh, with Ireland, we've been scared by Denmark, aren't we? We've seen them playing well over recent years, and you just you look at Christian Eriksen as well. Probably hasn't hasn't had a great season. Well, saying that he won a league, so it's a bit harsh, I suppose. But he's out of the limelight. We don't see him as much. You think he's not playing as well? He's playing fantastic. But um, again, relying on him to turn up. He, he turned up against Ireland in those group games. They were fantastic at the time, Denmark, and he was the difference. If he has a good tournament, he'll. If he has a good group stage, he can be the one that, you know, make sure they finish in second. Group C is interesting to me, mainly because of how I think it looks at least easy for the Netherlands. Like, I mean, they're in there with Austria, 
North Macedonia and Ukraine. It's no disrespect to any of them, but I just noticed today that they are 16 to 1 on Ladbrokes and they're well outside that sort of first tier. It's Portugal, Spain, Germany, Italy, Belgium, England, France are above them. And they're a good like nine to one or the lowest there in, in Portugal. And then Holland are on their own. And it's like I don't feel like they're at that level yet, but they've enough danger in there, Gabby, that if they got it all together, they'll you can't see them not popping this group. And then it's on from there, you know. Yeah, it's just strange, isn't it? Because this group of players under um, Ronald Koeman, you know, that they, they could have probably beat anyone on their day. They look so together, organised, and they're really dangerous. But since Koeman's left and the ball's gone in, they've not been the same. You know, they've not had the, the greatest of results. Um, I think he's struggling to find out his best team. Van Dijk is going to be a big loss. So for me, as much as they've got some um, good individuals, I think... Um, they're at them odds because they're not going to get to the last stages. I feel like they'll get out of their group, but once they meet one of the big boys, they'll have too much for them. Yeah, Memphis Depay, 16-1 to 1 to uh, be top scorer. He's very high up that list, so again, it might be just an easy group, but perhaps right, but at the same time, it, it just jumped out to me as a price. Uh, group D, we, won't, uh, we already talked about a lot, lads, but I might just get a prediction off you. Croatia, Czech Republic, England, Scotland. <laughs> he'll say, so, he'll say England and bottom. He will. Don't ask no. him. You know what? It's really, it's like if you finish top of Group D, you have a nightmare in the next round, don't you? So I don't know. Well, you know, it's so difficult to say we don't finish top and we'll try finish A. You can't, you can't do that. But like, if England win that group, I think do they play either France, Germany, or Portugal? Yeah. So um, <laughs> it, could be, it could be an early trip home. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Listen, it's an. It is all of our own. England are going home after. Uh, the second round um, yeah I don't know I just wonder if that's going to be in their head you know England and Southgate and, and all the technical staff and, and you hear they think they so deeply about stuff and they, they do everything they try to maximise everything and well, well, Kevin you said in the World Cup the game against Belgium no one wanted to win it yeah you know, so I think that England are unlucky to face Croatia first they could have done me playing Croatia last beating Scotland and Czech Republic yeah, yeah. and then, then like going for maybe a draw against Croatia to finish second but we don't know how the group if France might go France aren't guaranteed to finish top of that group they've got soft games against Portugal and Germany so I think England will take care of their own business and then maybe luckily they might end up playing well is it lucky Germany and Portugal are still good teams so England have got a lot to do to get out um, get past the second round I think if history is taught as anything, though, lads, it's the messing around trying to come in the right position to get yeah. the yeah. draw. Yeah. Just never ever seems to work. Like I think the you know I I presume that they'll think that the best thing to do is just go out and win the games and let the let the chips fall as they may. Yeah. But um, our, our is it like we can't? I presume we think Croatia is going to get out as the second place team, and then it's between the Czechs and Scotland. We'll give can we give Scotland third place? Come on. <laughs> well, I, have, I have Croatia. I have Croatia. Down. I'm just looking at my notes here. I have Croatia down for for uh, second day. Like they had, they had a really good um, qualifying campaign. So listen, they're going to be a strong team. I have them down for second. It's um, crazy though, isn't it? That free free go through in each group. You might as well just have everyone go through. Yeah, yeah. Three tri- go through <laughs> in four of the six groups. It does feel like it's harder to get knocked out than it is. Yeah. To- to stay in it. Um, it's, it was like qualifying for the whole team, wasn't it? It was harder not to qualify. And we managed it. Yeah. 
we also we also uh, were the beneficiaries of finishing third a couple of times, especially in Euro 2016 uh, when we beat yeah. an Italy team already qualified. So uh, we we won't laugh at it uh, too much here. But the the like I mean we are getting towards uh, Group F, which we obviously want to talk about. But Group E quickly and um, Poland. Uh, with like everybody wants to watch Lewandowski, twenty-five to one, possibly the best striker in the world at the moment, twenty-five to one to be top goal scorer, and he's got Slovakia in there, who are four hundred to one, uh, that rank outsiders more than any other team. Kevin, uh, they they share it with Hungary and North Macedonia. Uh, they're the team that obviously knocked us out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just a we should have beat them. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, and so yeah, we, we had we had the better chances in the game and got the penalties. So yeah, you'd uh you'd have to be fearing for Slovakia based on that, I suppose, based on our form since then. Um, Spain, yeah, I have Poland campaign now, and um, Poland, Poland again eased into the tournament, really good qualifying campaign. Lewandowski's just like another unbelievable season at his peak. Um, I've, I have Poland to top it and Spain second, actually. Uh, I, I just think Poland. Yeah. Um, Poland will. I just I just think they're stronger. And I, I'm just looking at the results in their qualifying campaign and all their results leading up to it. I just think they're really strong. Um, talking about surprise, I don't think it is a surprise. And if you got Robin or Lewandowski in your team, um, I mean, not a surprise. But um, no, they're, they're a decent team. Don't think they'll win it. I don't, I don't think they'll get to semi finals. I think it'll be a quarter final team. Mm. In that case, if they do get to the quarter final and they've got. You know, and you do fancy to finish top of the group. That Lewandowski at twenty-five to one to finish top scorer is a little bit tempting, actually. Um, yeah. But Spain, I don't know if we know what to expect um, of Gabby. I feel like they're in that limbo of uh, that we often get with sports great teams, where we expect them to be the same, even though the you know they've got none of yeah. the players, etc. You know, we expect them to be at that level forever, and. They're, they just need a rebirth, and we need we need like this is a completely new team. We have to judge them on yeah. what they are now, not what they were ten years ago. And I don't, I personally don't know what to expect from. Them. Yeah, I'm the similar with you. I mean, uh, I've seen Fernand Torres from um, Man City plays for them. Um, you've got Rodrigo, who I don't think made made the tournament, but he's played for them. But they've got a lot of new players that a lot of people won't be aware of. You know, you see Morata um, is is um, captain in the side now. But you just don't know what to expect from this team. It's quite a bunch of new players. And because of that, I think that I wouldn't go with um, them to be one of the favourites. I think that um, there's a lot stronger teams out there. Yeah. Uh, and no Real Madrid uh, players uh, in their squad. For my ex-Barcelona manager. Exactly, yeah. He's like, he's like <laughs> uh, group F then. This is the most ridiculous group in the history of uh, football, of Euros anyway. Poor old Hungary. Uh, I've got France, Germany, and Portugal. Talked about Portugal already, and like Portugal are one of those teams that probably benefited from the extra year because you got like Jota, the form that he's in. You got Fernandez. You got um, um, Bernardo Silva from City is in completely different form that he was twelve months ago. Uh, you know, the, the, Ronaldo obviously will still be there and everything. And obviously, they've got uh, Ruben Diaz. They've got Wolves starting 11 as well. So. They've got the Wolves starting 11 to choose from whenever they want. Yeah. And Ruben Diaz was uh, player of the year in, in, in the Premier League this year. So they've got, like, I, I think they've been slightly. Cancelo as well, right back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cancelo. And they're, they're being a little bit overlooked, I would say. But it's probably because they're in this group. And, yeah. like, if you look at France, lads, I mean, this is a team that won the World Cup and all they've done since is Kante has probably become 
you know, some of the players have even got any be- better, especially Kante, and they've replaced uh, Olivier Giroud with uh, Kareem Benzema. That's not a bad way to build on a uh, on a World Cup winning team. I think it's just dangerous, aren't they? Like you look, you look at Mbappe, Griezmann, Dembele, um, Conan from Bayern Munich. Now you've got Giroud, some competition for him with Benzema. I mean, Pogba, Kante, Varane, Kimbembe. I mean, if you go through their whole team, I mean, like you're frightened, aren't you? So if they all turn up, they've got tournament experience. That's a big thing as well that um, a lot of the England players haven't got and maybe um, the German players. So if they all turn up with their experience, I mean, it's going to take um, a big performance to stop them winning it. Yeah, I agree. I have France. France yeah. as winners in Belgium uh, as next. Um, well, but England... Because they're in our group, right? And, um, and they, you know, we got stick and make against, uh, against um, Luxembourg. And Portugal played them a couple of days later, and, and we got sick for we got beat by Luxembourg. We draw or beat us. Oh, we lost. We bloody we lost. lost. Yeah, we, we, we lost. <laughs> uh, Portugal only beaten one nil with their strongest team out uh, yeah. a few days later, and it was a deflected shot from outside the box. So, like, it's hard going on that. I know any team well organized is difficult, whatever, but it's hard going on that so close to a tournament like this, and they've got the strongest team. It's hard to go on that to to have much confidence in Portugal. And I just feel looking at them. Ronaldo plays and he has and and it feels like he has to play. And as good as he is and as brilliant as he has been, and you know he'll score goals for them. I just feel he's turned into now at his age, sort of I feel looking at the team, they know he's just a goal hanger and he's not going to try as a yeah. team. They're sort of carrying him a little not carrying but carrying him a little bit because he has to play. It doesn't matter what he does, he starts, he will get them goals, but he won't contribute anything to them defensively and unless they put on a plate for him he'll have his hands up in the air I feel he's dragging them down a bit Do you know what though you you guys were both in the Premier League when Ronaldo was there and never has a player been thought of as differently from the outside as he is from the inside teammates love this guy and that's with every team that he's played with but especially with Portugal it's like yeah. it does seem to be something I know it's probably different now and he's probably contributing even less than he ever has but We've always watched Ronaldo and go, oh, he's selfish, he's this, that, and the other. But, Gabby, anyone you ever talked to that's played with him, absolutely adore him. Like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you hear about when Rio Ferdinand talks about him and, you know, his teammates, yes, they adore him. But I agree with Kevin in a way that maybe if Portugal had, you know, better players in that position as a striker, I don't see Ronaldo starts. If they had a younger prospect um, that was a good striker, I don't see Ronaldo starting. I see him more coming off the bench, you know, maybe after 60 minutes if they need a goal. Yeah. But he does look that character. He's not going to a tournament to sit on the bench. Yeah. He's Mr. Portugal. He's the superstar of their history and their present. So he's going there to start no matter what. He'll want to get, you know, top goal scorer. He'll want to win the Euros again. You know, he's hungry for goals and trophies. So maybe if Portugal had a bigger manager, you know, they might not start him. So I agree with Kevin in that way that he won't add to the, the pressing to get the ball back. You know, he's going to be waiting to get the ball in the box and to get a shot off on goal. Yeah. Interesting. And it leaves us with poor old Germany. Uh, <laughs> Yogi loves last tournament uh, of 402. I think this is uh, that he's made now. But uh, have they any hope of like somehow putting it together? There's still some players they brought back in all the old guys. Never a good sign, I suppose. We talk about England bringing in the young guys that didn't even help them get there. Germany are going the other way. 
I know, yeah. You're always warned, aren't you, though? Don't discount Germany. Never hey, that, we're told over and over again. Never discount Germany. <laughs> it's his last tournament. He's gone at the end of it, low. He's been really successful. I don't know. I just think to have that experience, they brought back in somebody else. They have the experience. They know how to win World Cups. They know what to do. Do they have... They probably have enough to get out of the group. And then do they have the legs to get all any yeah. You know, aging team, it's difficult. Games close together. You, um, still, you still look at them, though, don't you, Kevin? You look at defence. You know, Neuer, Rudiger, yeah. been in great form. Hummels is a good defender. Gundogan, Sane, Gnabry, Havard, Werner. You know, so they've still got... Good players, haven't they? So I think we can maybe like look past Germany, but if all them players click, that can be a big problem. Yeah, Bayern, best team, the best club team we've seen in a long time, two years ago, and then you have Havertz, Rudiger, and um, and Werner all won the Champions League then this season. So yeah, they're so used to tournaments, aren't they? Getting together, they all know each other so well. Getting together, listen, qualifying is nothing to them. It's listen, just get there. We're not interested in that. It's the tournament. They come together as a team. Then so yeah, I would. I wouldn't write. I have them down finishing ahead of Portugal in the group, to be honest with you. I yeah, I agree. Portugal. Are Portugal, you think Portugal will qualify in third then? Um, have you, I suppose you just have to beat Hungary. Yeah, yeah Hungary, like we, we played them last night, Ireland did the game. Um, yeah. Hungary aren't good. And they, they were terrible in their group. They qualified through the Nations League. Um, yeah, they don't, you know, they won't pose any threat to those. And yeah. Any, those teams won't be thinking of hungry. No, it'll be all about themselves. Yeah, they're they're unbeating in eleven games, but we're talking we're, we're talking oh, about yeah. a completely different uh, class <laughs> of uh, opponent this time. It's a what a bloody group to be going on. You thought you had a bad group in two thousand and twelve, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so similar, wasn't it? Our two thousand and twelve group had the finalists, the two finalists, and uh, what turned out to be the two finalists and uh, the third place playoff winner. So uh, there yeah, you go. yeah, there's no excuse. You know? <laughs> uh, if that doesn't whet your appetite for the tournament, it all starts off on um, Friday with uh, Italy versus Turkey. And there's loads more to come in Croatia at the weekend, of course. Uh, if you are um, looking to have a bet on uh, Friday, Ladbrokes are giving you €1.05 Euro five aside uh, bet this Friday as the opening game of the Euros gets underway. Check Ladbrokes.com from 10 a.m. each match day for other great offers. Of course, if you are having a bet on the Euros or anything else at all, please always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. Lads, I'm absolutely buzzing for this now. It's uh, just um, over a day away. At this stage, just two days away. And then we've got a, f- a festival of football. We'll be talking to you both all the way through. Thanks a million for uh, being with us tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it.